The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. Well, happy New Year's Eve to you all. Welcome and so glad to have you here this morning at Morgan Hill Bible Church. As we transition from one year to the next, we often take time looking back at the past year and looking ahead uh, to the year coming up. And as I look back and look ahead, one thing I recognize is needed is forgiveness. Now, I'm sure this sparks many different reactions. Maybe you're rolling your eyes or clenching your fists or feel like you were just punched in the gut. Maybe you wanna run for the door or feeling the tears well up in your eyes. Forgiveness can bring lots of different reactions because we've all experienced it being done right and being done wrong. We've all dealt with the wrestle between forgiveness and justice. And we've all, we all have our ideas of what forgiveness should look like. So today, what I want to do is take a look at biblical forgiveness, which, believe it or not, is beautiful forgiveness. This morning, we're going to look at what forgiveness is. We're also going to look at what forgiveness is not, and there's a lot to talk about there. And then finally, we'll answer the question, how do I forgive? I'd invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 103 as we dive in this morning. Psalm 103, your Bible, your Bible app, or it's in the worship guide as well. So let's start by talking about what forgiveness is. In our household, we've taught our kids from a very young age, when you wrong somebody, you say, I'm sorry for blank, can you please forgive me? And the correct response should be, I forgive you. So they've learned this since they were very young, like this is the routine, this is what you do. And so when one of my kids was four years old, I asked him if he knew what it really meant to forgive, like what is forgiveness? So I asked him, hey, son, what does forgiveness mean? He thinks about it for a second. He goes, to be free? And I'm like, wisdom from a four-year-old. <laughs> because he's totally right. Forgiveness doesn't just release the other person. It also releases you. And I love his innocent, untainted mind. But I think the church over the years has taken something so beautiful and turned it into something it shouldn't be. Let's first uh, look at what Noah Webster calls forgiveness. Let's look at the definition of forgiveness. There's wildly different answers from different people. That might be an interesting thing for you to do at your New Year's Eve uh, party tonight. Hey, what, what does it mean to forgive? What is forgiveness? But here's what Noah Webster says. He says, forgiveness is to cease to feel resentment or to give up resentment. That's one of the definitions. So like forgiving an insult. Another definition, to grant relief from payment. 
So like forgiving a debt. I came across a secular psychologist and here's what she had to say about forgiveness. She said, forgiveness is a shift in thinking towards someone who has wronged you such that your desire to harm that person has decreased and your desire to do him good or to benefit your relationship has increased. Forgiveness at a minimum is a decision to let go of the desire for revenge and ill will toward the person who wronged you. So I thought there was a lot of good stuff in that. But let's look at what the Bible has to say regarding forgiveness. And for that, we're going to look at Psalm 103. The key verse is verse 12. But we're going to start with verse 1 to get a, a bigger picture, to get the context of what the psalmist is saying, because there's so much good in it. Psalm 103, starting in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And there it is, right there. The biblical definition of forgiveness is disconnecting a person from their sin. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Disconnecting a person from their sin. You're free from being tied to your sin. That's not your identity. As my kids grew up, they all struggled with lying. Now, I'm sure I'm unique in this because your kids are all perfectly honest and always tell the truth every single time. And so when my kids would, would lie and I would call them out for it and they would say, Dad, I'm sorry for lying. Can you please forgive me? I would extend them forgiveness. And in doing so, what I was doing was saying, this is not your identity. This is not who you are. You are not a liar. You are not tied to being a liar. This is not you. This is something you did that was wrong, but you are disconnected from your sin. Your sin is lying. That's not who you are as a person. And so when I extend forgiveness, I am separating the two. That's what biblical forgiveness is. 
And this is what God does with us. When God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin as a part of our identity. This is not who you are, Ben. This is something you've done, but that's not your identity. Your identity is separate from your sin. Now, is this easy to do? Absolutely not. Some of you have had awful things done to you that you stare at and think, I could never forgive. And so every time the topic of forgiveness comes up, you awkwardly shift in your chair because you want to avoid it. But let's talk about what forgiveness is not to help round out the picture of what forgiveness is. And hopefully this will open your heart and mind to the idea of forgiveness. The reason some people have a hard time with forgiveness is they attach other concepts to forgiveness. So what will help round out a correct biblical view of what forgiveness is, is looking at what forgiveness is not. And I'm going to give you five things that forgiveness is not. And if you'd like to write them down, there's space in your worship guide to do so. Five things forgiveness is not. The first Forgiveness is not enabling, excusing, or validating sin. Forgiveness is not enabling, excusing, or validating sin. One of my pet peeves is when I apologize for something I've done wrong, when I go and seek forgiveness, and the person responds with, it's okay. It, it's not. It's not okay. I understand the sentiment. I understand what they're trying to say. But words carry power with them. And when someone tells me that it's okay, they're almost validating what I've done. That's fine. What you did was not wrong. Go ahead and do it again if you really dig in. Now, that might not be their intent, but if you stop and think about the words, oh, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Forgiveness is not enabling, excusing, or validating sin. It shouldn't be. Something else underneath this umbrella is that, that people will, will tie forgiveness to the removal of consequences. And forgiveness is not always that as well. This is still part of this first thing. Removal of consequences, that's called mercy or pardoning. Now, yes, it's also one definition of the word forgiveness that we just looked at. Granting relief from payment, forgiving a debt, right? That's removal of the consequence of that debt. And this is actually how God forgives as well, when he removes the consequences of our sin. So yes, that is one definition of forgiveness, is removal of the consequences. But some people think that it's the only definition. Hey, you haven't forgiven me if you haven't removed the consequences. That's not true. That's not true. My kids totally get this. I extend them forgiveness 
And at the same time, I give them consequences for the things they've done wrong. Because as a parent, it is my responsibility to help train them up, teach them, and help push them towards the way that they should go. And oftentimes, that means they need to get consequences for the wrong things that they've done, or they won't learn. I can extend them forgiveness and at the same time give them consequences. Totally can. You can be forgiven and go to jail. 100%. We see this in scripture. In the story of David and Bathsheba, when David sins by committing adultery, by having Bathsheba's husband killed to try to cover up the wrong that he did because he gets her pregnant... He is confronted with his sin and he goes to God and he seeks forgiveness and he's granted forgiveness. However, this baby that was conceived in the midst of this adultery ends up dying. There's consequences that still come along even though there's forgiveness granted. So forgiveness is not enabling, excusing, or validating sin. Second, Forgiveness is not forgetting. Oh, forgive and forget. Forgive and forget, right? How can you forget rape, adultery, murder, betrayal, abuse, abandonment? On and on goes the list. People toss out this verse 12 that we just looked at. Oh, as far as the east is from the west. But they don't finish the phrase. And the tail end of that phrase is so important. As far as the east is from the west, they're trying to finish it with, as far as the east is from the west, that means you forget. You gotta forget. No, that's not what the rest of it says. As far as the east... omniscient. He's all-knowing. He does not forget. He cannot forget. So forgiveness cannot be forgetting. Now, I know there's a couple of you biblical scholars in the room and going up, up, up. But Ben, what about these verses here? Jeremiah 31, 34 says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. This is God talking. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. See, see, it says that God forgets. No, it doesn't. The Hebrew word used there that's translated remember is the word zaker. And zaker means remembering, but it also means recalling, naming, mentioning. You put that all together and you understand that what's being communicated here when God says, I will remember their sins no more, he's saying, I am not gonna bring it back up. I am not gonna lord it over them. I'm not gonna keep reminding them, hey, remember what you did? Yeah, sure, I've forgiven you, but you remember this? Yeah, sure, I've forgiven you, but like, you remember you did that, right? That's, that's what he's saying when he's saying, I will remember their sins no more. It's not that he's forgotten like, wait, what did you do? That's not our God. He doesn't forget. But he's not gonna lord it over us. He's not gonna bring it back up. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Third, forgiveness is not 
reconciliation. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Often, sin is closely tied to breaking trust. So sometimes people expect that when you say you forgive them, you automatically trust them again. This is foolish. Again, going back to my kids with their habitual lying. I can extend forgiveness, and so I'm then freeing them from being labeled as a liar, from being identified as a liar, but it would be foolish for me to then automatically believe everything that's coming out of their mouth. I recognize that this is a continual struggle for them, so I need to set up boundaries to help them move forward. I need to set up boundaries to protect myself. Now, granted, this is small scale, small potatoes. I understand that. And there are some big things, some big wrongs that are done that require space, that require distance. It would be foolish sometimes to reconcile. It would, because you would be putting yourself in danger. You would be putting people around you in danger based on how that other person is interacting. Now, does reconciliation often come as a part of that forgiving process? It totally does. Does God sometimes push you to reconcile as a part of that process? He totally does. But is it an automatic part of forgiveness? No, it's not. And it takes time to process through that. And it takes being dialed in to your relationship with God to really understand how reconciliation and forgiveness either work together or don't. But those two are not inherently one and the same. So that's number three. Forgiveness is not enabling, excusing, or validating sin. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Number four, forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. Forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. If you do this, depending on the situation, you might be waiting a really, really long time. Some people may not feel remorseful, ever. Or maybe the person that wronged you isn't in your life anymore or has even passed away. There's no way that they're gonna actually come and give you an apology. So what are you supposed to do? Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As far as it depends on you, you're supposed to do your part regardless of what the other person is doing, regardless of whether they're doing their part or not. You are supposed to extend forgiveness regardless of whether they're extending an apology or not. Well, I'm not gonna forgive them until they come and say sorry. Is that how God forgives us? Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He extended forgiveness to us when we wanted nothing to do with him. And if that's how he forgives, then that's how we need to forgive as well. Forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. Finally, 
Number five, forgiveness is not a one-time event. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. How many times must I forgive, said the disciples to Jesus? Up to seven times? And Jesus replied, not seven times, but 77 times, or 70 times seven, depending on how it's translated. Now that doesn't mean, okay, pull out your tally book and once you get up to 77, you're done. Or once you get up to 490, you're done. No, 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 no. Rather, what Jesus is communicating is, you think you're done forgiving? You're not. Keep forgiving, keep forgiving, keep forgiving. Does God's forgiveness run out? Then neither should ours. And because forgiving is not forgetting, there may be times where you have to forgive the same offense more than once as it's brought back to your memory. So these are things that forgiveness is not. And so now that we have that, how do we forgive? How do we forgive? Let me give you just two things. First of all, as we've talked about already, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You saw this as we were going through what forgiveness is not. Multiple times I referenced how God is forgiving us. This is our standard. This is our model. This is what we're looking to to help understand what it looks like for us to forgive. Multiple verses in scripture talk about this. Colossians 3.13 says, As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Ephesians 4.32 up here on the screen, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So we're told very clearly, forgive as God has forgiven you. So then that begs the question, how does God forgive? How does God forgive? Well, we already talked about it in our uh, verse 12. He removes our transgressions from us. This is the basics of forgiveness. He removes our transgressions from us. That's how we're supposed to forgive others. Then we look throughout scripture and see how God forgives. In the book of Judges, the people of Israel go and worship other gods. And so God disciplines them. He sends in another nation to take them over. And now uh, they're under rule from someone else and they're being persecuted. And so they cry out to God, God, forgive us. We're sorry. And so God comes and forgives them. And then they go back to it again. They start worshiping other gods and God sends another nation in to, to judge them and to, you know, convict them. And so again, they apologize. And this happens over and over. And every time, God forgives. Every time. God is infinitely patient. God is infinitely ready to forgive. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in Isaiah 55, it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Listen to this. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God will abundantly pardon. 
Psalm 103, verse 3, in our passage, it says that God forgives all our iniquity. If God is infinitely ready to forgive, then I must be also. So that means when I am wronged, I have no option but to extend forgiveness. To view the person the same way that God views me. To view them the same way that God views them. Again, this sounds impossible if you're attaching other things to what forgiveness is. Ben, there's no way I could forgive that person. If I do, that, that means that I have to let them off scot-free. Or if, if I do, that means I have to forget what they've done. Or if I do, that means they gotta be my best friend now. No, stop attaching these other things to forgiveness and understand what forgiveness really is. When you understand biblical forgiveness as separating a person from their sin, you can extend forgiveness more readily because you are looking at them through God's eyes. And this is where forgiveness offers freedom. When you can see someone through God's eyes, when you can separate a person from their sin, you won't carry animosity or anger towards them. You'll find freedom from the offense. As Jesus was up on the cross, one of the things he said, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He looked down and he saw these people doing these things and he extended forgiveness. This is not their identity. This is not who they are. Forgive them, Father. And this is what he did for all of us. When God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see the sin of the person that's wronged you. Rather, he sees the people he loves, the people to whom he's offering Forgiveness. Now, one of the hardest people for each of us to forgive is ourself. One of the hardest people for each of us to forgive is ourself. So if we're forgiving as the Lord forgave you, who does God forgive? Does God forgive you? Of course he does. So who do you need to forgive? yourself. It's often easier to see others through God's eyes. Oh yeah, this person wronged me. This person did something horrible to me, but I can get to the point of trying to see them the same way God sees them. But myself, I know what I've thought. I know what I've done behind closed doors. I know my sinful desires. How could I ever receive forgiveness? How could I ever be forgiven? If you're to forgive as the Lord forgave you, then you need to forgive yourself in the same way that God does. How do you forgive? The last thing I wanna say is how you forgive reflects how you understand forgiveness. How you forgive reflects how you understand forgiveness. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells the story of 
the, the parable of the unmerciful servant. This servant is brought before his master and he owes his master millions of dollars, an insurmountable amount of money. And he throws himself on his knees and pleads with the master and says, please give me more time because the master says it's time to pay up. And he pleads with the master, give me more time and I'll repay you. And the master goes one beyond that. Instead of just giving him more time, he says, your debt is forgiven. You owe me nothing. Huge gesture. And so this guy walks out and he runs into someone that owes him a few hundred bucks. And he says, hey, pay up. I need this money. And the other guy, this should sound familiar, falls on his knees and begs, says, please give me time and I'll repay you. And the servant throws the other guy in jail and says, you stay there until you've paid back everything you owe me. Well, word gets back to the master and he brings the servant in. He says, what, what happened here? I extended you forgiveness and you turn around and you do this. You owe me every penny. You owe me everything. And Jesus ends by saying this. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Whew. Now, when I first read this parable, I was like, man, this guy is horrible. This unmerciful servant, awful. Now, we don't know the extent, right? Jesus is telling this parable, right? It's, he doesn't develop it. We don't understand what's going on. Maybe this guy had some justifiable reason for demanding the money. But the real issue here was his lack of understanding what he had been forgiven from. He didn't grasp the gravity of the forgiveness that was extended to him. So he didn't extend forgiveness to his fellow man. I had a hard time with this parable as I was growing up. I was fearful about the forgiveness that was offered to me. Was God's forgiveness conditional? Would I lose God's forgiveness if I didn't forgive someone else? It took some time to realize that I was misunderstanding two things. First, I was misunderstanding what forgiveness truly is and isn't. And the second thing I misunderstood, I thought that God's forgiveness was conditionally offered based on my willingness to forgive. But it's not. Rather, my willingness or unwillingness to forgive shows whether I've truly accepted the forgiveness that was offered to me in the first place. Whether I really understand how much God has forgiven me. How you forgive reflects how you understand forgiveness. The unmerciful servant didn't understand the gravity that he had been forgiven from. And so that's why he didn't turn around and extend that forgiveness to someone else. I'm gonna show you a short video right now of this guy named Brant Jean. 
Brant Jean, his brother Botham was at home when an off-duty officer came in thinking that it was her apartment. She saw Botham, thought that he was an intruder in her apartment, shot and killed him. And this right now that we're gonna watch is a video of what Brandt says in court to Amber Geiger, the woman who killed his brother. I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? This is a young man that understands forgiveness. He knows that when God looks at him, God sees him, not his sin. And so in a room where many others wanted to attach labels to this woman, Brant Jean saw her as Jesus sees her, someone dearly loved by God someone desperately in need of God's grace. Do you understand what God has done for you? Do you understand the extent of the forgiveness offered to you? 
If you truly do, you understand that you have no option but to turn and extend forgiveness to everyone around you. So who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to see as God sees? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, so far may you remove the transgression from the one who you need to forgive. Even if the one who you need to forgive is you. So understand what forgiveness is and is not. Stop adding to forgiveness, making it impossible. Go today and forgive as God has forgiven you. Take time to reflect on how much he's forgiven you. And if you've never received his forgiveness, today is that day. Understand the gravity of his forgiveness. Receive it and then give it to everyone around you. God, we are so thankful for the forgiveness that you extend. God, you have forgiven us so much more than we understand sometimes. So much more than we deserve. God, help us to grab onto that gravity how much you've forgiven us so that there's no option for us but to turn and extend that same forgiveness to others. Because we get how much we've been forgiven from, so how can we not turn and give that to somebody else? God, please, Give us the strength to extend forgiveness when it's so hard to do so. Help us to understand what it truly means to forgive, what it truly means to see someone else the same way that you see them, as someone desperately in need of God's grace, as someone that you love fiercely. Help us to extend that to others, even today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.